Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. If you need any, uh, any further explanation that I am a child of the 90s, my sermon, and this might be a little surprising this morning, is called Ugly Naked Guy. Hang with me for a second, but that is the title of my sermon. Because there is a strange guy in the midst of our reading here today. He is described as a young man. He's dressed in a white robe and oddly sitting in an empty tomb. And nobody ever seems to ask why this young man is sitting in a tomb in the first place. But his story is our story. And I think it's one of the really unique things that Mark gives to us as he tells his story. But in order to understand what what this young man in this white robe is, we need to go back a little bit. Of course, we've been celebrating throughout Holy Week the journey of Jesus from, from Palm Sunday all the way to the cross. But when Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane on what we celebrate as Maundy Thursday... Mark includes in his narrative this really strange line, which no other gospel writer picks up on. He writes, And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. One of the things we fail to act out as we act out the crucifixion of Jesus, and for good reason. In this climatic moment where the kingdom of God comes face to face with the powers and principalities of this world, this dude, whoever he is, is quite literally exposed for what he is. He was so scared, so frightened, so unprepared for the full weight of hatred and anger that that powers and principalities will bring to bear upon Jesus and upon his followers And he's so scared and so frightened that he's literally willing to flee the scene naked. That's how fearful he is. And in this way, he becomes a standard for us all, quite literally, of what Jesus' followers are and what we all are. In so many ways, full of fear, we abandon Jesus often at the first sign that the kingdom of this world is going to defeat the kingdom of God. And we know how powerful the kingdom of the world is, and we become fearful, and so we run. And in running, we are exposed as people who so often are carrying around shame. This linen cloth that is torn from this young man becomes a symbol of that shame. What began in the Garden of Eden, you remember... The reason God knows that something's up in the Garden of Eden is because Adam says, well, I was naked and so I hid. And indeed, so many of us are terrified that someone will discover who and what we actually are. So many of us carrying around shame from what we've done in our past. Shame for not quite measuring up to what we hoped we could be in life. Shame for letting others down. Maybe our our family sort of sometimes enclose shame because there are things that have happened that we just are too shameful to discuss. Sometimes churches are beset with shame. You know, things aren't the same as they used to be. Ministries are struggling. Our children move away. You know, we watch numbers shrink, all these sorts of things. And so we turn inward, figuring the best place for us to share the shreds of faith that we have left is simply to share them with those who already share that shame. 
Maybe we get sick. And any of us who have been sick and sat in one of those terrible, awful gowns that only tie in the back, you know, and, we're, and in so many ways we're laying there in a public place exposed, wondering if we've done something to deserve this sentence that we have upon our lives. Perhaps God is punishing us. Maybe we feel shame as we see the poor and oppressed in our world, feeling helpless to do anything, and yet feeling our heart break that such evil persists with such reckless abandon. Maybe our communities feel shame as industries and jobs leave or as infrastructure breaks down and we are left behind to figure out what does it mean now to live here. And even in the exile, this ongoing exile that we've endured, all of us carrying around a sense of loss or failure or disappointment, at times anger as well. And like this young man, the passion of Christ rips it all off Let's us see for a moment who we are and here we stand. Ugly naked guy. But the next time we hear of a linen cloth, it belongs not to the young man, but to Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea, who himself had been exposed and was afraid of being exposed as he went to Jesus in the middle of the night. Joseph has been following Jesus from a distance and he says, you know what, I want to... I want to do honor to that body. And so he goes to Pilate and says, please, can I have the body for burial? And Pilate relents and he goes to the body and he takes the body down and it says that he wraps it in a linen cloth. We might see in this metaphor that our shame is wrapped around the body of Jesus and it is buried. In his crucifixion and his death, Jesus takes the shame takes the burden that we feel, is wrapped in it, and is buried with it. He takes it on. It disappears. Maybe, not, maybe, maybe we still know it's in there, but at least Jesus has taken the worst parts of ourselves, the things we're so fearful to let out, and has at least taken them on in the cross and allowed them to be buried with him. But then, then we get this guy. The women arrive at the tomb the most faithful of all the apostles, they are the ones who wait all the way to the end. And indeed may, may very well have been the ones who were carrying around the most shame, which is why they are there to, to honor their friend who would not shame them. But they arrive and he's not there. They're also asking the question, how in the world are we going to roll that stone? I mean, it's, it, it's a fair question. And they get there and the stone is rolled away and they don't know where he is. And that is undoubtedly alarming Seeking to make some sense of the situation, they enter into the tomb. And what do they see? A young man. We might even say this young man who was running around just a couple chapters ago. We often describe this young man as an angel, which is understandable, but that's not what is listed here. It says he is a young man, unless we understand angel to mean messenger, which it most appropriately is understood, in which case he is an angel in that way. He has a message to share with the women. But he doesn't just have a message. He doesn't just have words to say. He is in himself a message. For now, we discover that he is wrapped in a white robe. We get another mention of his clothing. The last time we heard of such a white robe was when Jesus went up on the mountain of transfiguration before he began his journey and descent to Jerusalem and to his death. And on that mountain, when Jesus was revealed for who he truly is, 
He heard the voice of God say, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And now, this naked, turned, shining guy who was wrapped in the same kind of cloth that Jesus was wrapped in on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he heard the words of God say, you are my beloved son, now he is the one, the one that was full of shame, is now wrapped in glory, and it says, fear not, he has risen. Ugly, naked guy is transformed. Nakedness to beauty, shame to love, rejection to belovedness. All is restored. The man who ran out of fear is now the man who brings good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. Brothers and sisters, in the chaos of the resurrection, this is us. On the cross, Jesus takes our shame, is buried with it, and restores us to a place where once again we hear the most beloved words of all time, you are my beloved child. We are now restored to who and what God formed us in the womb to be. Not failures, not shameful, not sinners, but rather the beloved children of God. Brothers and sisters, that's how we know that the kingdom of peace for the poor triumphs over the kingdom of violence and the powerful because it's you that he came to resurrect. It's you that he set right. It's your shame that he came to bury. It's yourself that he came to heal and restore. Just because that sounds hopeful doesn't mean it's an easy message for us to hear. The reading that we have today is, by all intents and purposes, the last words of the original, or the closest we have to the original Gospel of Mark. And the last word is afraid. This idea that we would be exposed and the idea that we are set right again can be a fearful thing because it reorients everything. Wait a second, what does my life mean now if I'm no longer defined by my shame but I'm defined by God's love? What does it look like? That can be a fearful thing. But as was read in the psalm, this is the gate. This is where we are called to walk. This is the day, this is the era that the Lord has made. We are no longer defined by our shame and our failure, but in Christ's resurrection, we are called to abundant life. So on this day of resurrection, we come to this table where the cross through space and time is made present for us yet again. But whereas on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, the cross was all about a death sentence, today it is about, yes, death, but it is death that leads to new life. It takes on an entirely new meaning on this Easter day. And in our shame, in our fear, in our sorrow, we are called to this cross and to this meal. And we are invited, and we are invited to hear the words of Jesus fresh and new again. Not come and eat it up, Come and make yourself, make yourself right before you come. Rather, we'll hear Jesus say, this is my body given for you. This is my blood. This is my life given for you. He says, come to this table. And my favorite line of all time is, don't walk to the table. Run to the table. Leave your shame here. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And walk from here covered, not in our shame seeking to hide. Walk from here in the newness of life. Walk from here in your belovedness. Walk from here knowing 
that if we have been buried with Christ in a death like his, we shall surely be resurrected with him in a resurrection like his. That is our story. Lay down your sorrow and pick up the joy of the Lord. Amen.